your page, Matthew? Yes. Okay. All right. It says it's now streaming. Here we are. Bank Kingdom Pod. So did somebody share to the page? Uh, let me try to do that once it shows up. Let's do this. Okay. Did you share it? Yeah, uh, I didn't share it to the page. It should just okay. be on my timeline. Cool. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's the Dank Kingdom podcast. Um, we are without our favorite blanket, blanketed host. Yeah. Uh, David is moving this week, and so he had to be absent, which brings us to our first housekeeping item. We've all been crawling out of our quarantine holes, uh, respectively. So we've been uh, picking up other responsibilities and things and, and discussing switching to every other week for the DKP. So for all the faithful that are watching, including uh, Jim from Don't Perish, you'll have to tune in bi-weekly to catch us. Um, but we'll look forward to forward to following up. We just need a little more space in our schedules with other stuff going on. We also wanted to talk about uh, some of the DKP polity and practice. Um, there, there's been conversations about how the new page is working, the private shift on the group, and what all that means. So what do we want to say about that? Well, I have some questions. First of all, with Curtis's fake account up, it, that, that account right now is, I think, appearing on the algorithms above the official one with the exact same name and picture. So Houston, we have a problem. Maybe if everyone in that group leaves, it'll stop showing up. If, you can't, if he can't take it down or if no one can take it down. I, yeah. I, I think it's great for Curtis. I, I feel I feel good for him. Yeah, it yeah. makes me a little bit happy even though it's a dig at us. Not to be cynical, not to be cynical here, but I don't know that the page is gonna do as well as DKCM did. It might, but I think part of the charm of DKCM was the fact that it was just the Wild West, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, if Curtis runs a page, it will be the Wild West. I guarantee that. Yes, yes, it will be. So yeah. So essentially we have Dank Kingdom Christian Memes is, is now the official page of the Dank Kingdom franchise where approved memes will be posted. But I also saw that anyone can post on it, but if they post, will it just be deleted or how's that going to work? What we wanted to do, so, okay, so there's a few concerns that, that came up. And I think that we have so many new members um, that don't have the same kind of like we you know it's just one of those things if you've been around since the beginning you have kind of a, a broader a longer trajectory framework and you you just have a little bit different perspective than people who just come around if you just come around it just looks like a group of people so many members drop um, memes and, and don't have the same and have like arguments who's running it's just one of the audio there we go sorry oh. that was me okay um so so from the perspective of how, how the page has always run is that once we, once, once, so wh where we started was wanting to, uh, 
wanting to, to, to find a way to present, to use memes as a way of, of truth proposition. And, and, and it was very much in the interest of, um, of, of trying to find ways to express kingdom truths or, or anti-heretical truths uh, in, in this kind of format. And it was very experimental. Like I, I hadn't been, I mean, obviously it's not like we invented memes. Memes have been around for a long time, but, but I'd never seen anybody seriously trying to deal with certainly kingdom issues and, and only in sketch forms, Christian issues. So, uh -huh. so we wanted to, to take a stab at it and see what would happen. Um, the people that started at the beginning all were kind of one ethos, but the page grew and grew and it became more broad and more broad. And as time went on, we had to decide, well, what's within the purview of kingdom and what's not? Like, you know, we had conversations about transgenderism and authority of scriptures and and there was certain there was certainly points along the way where we had to redefine and say is this going to be actually a kingdom page by some standard by some metric and if it is what is that metric going to be How, where are we going to draw lines about what's in and what's outside of that parameter and that basically fell up fell on like the core members just you know the people that were the most prolific uh, members of the group and had had the most history kind of had the like you earned your chops right like so if you were a good memer and you had you had scored points you know for whatever accounting system we use just like street cred like you had dkcm cred like you you had you had earned your way into having a voice and among those people we would kind of talk about these issues and figure out where to go well okay, now we've grown quite a bit more and that, that tent is getting a lot bigger. So we started to say either we have to crack down on our definition of kingdom or make a bifurcated version of this. So, so we make what, what we had thought about was because it was coming down to decisions of, of curating, like what are we going to allow and what are we going to not as an admin group? And, and instead of having to always make that decision based on what the public face of the page looked like, like, do we want, I'm known, a lot of us have like staked some kind of reputational capital on our involvement with, with DKCM, whatever that's worth. Do I want, I was starting to get some heat. Other people were starting to hear like, really, is that okay? Is that kingdom? Is that all this stuff? So so we said oh, the easy way to deal with this is to say well let's have a public face of the page where we don't have a lot of arguing and bickering it's not so much the wild wild west it's not a free-for-all there's like a curated space and and really we were talking about it in the terms of propaganda like how do we continue this mission that we started this group for how do we put out in the public sphere kingdom truth propositions that's always been our, our number one desire how do we do that without having to suppress and squash people's speech or say you don't fit in or this isn't within the parameters of, of kingdom? So we, we talked about it as, as an admin group. We talked about it as that group of core memers and, and we talked about it on public on the group. Here's what we're seeing. Here's what we've talked about. There's these different groups. The other thing is it was really confusing for a lot of people new to the group to wade through all the inside jokes and, and, you know, 
uh, very niched um, vernacular, like all of our acronyms and anachronistic sayings and all that kind of like historical narrative of a social group. And, and some people didn't want it. They were like, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on here. It's not fun. I feel lost. And so for all of those reasons, we said, okay, well, if that's where you're at, if you just want to catch kingdom memes, here's a public page. We'll take the best and the brightest, the funnest and the most compelling of the memes that get produced in the history of the group. And we, we turned it over to actually a, a few different people in the group to say, just go through and curate some of the best memes. Go look through the old stuff and throw stuff up every once in a while, just to keep it going out there for people that just want to see something and don't want to have a whole cultural ethos go along with it. But, but then we'll make the group private so that we can continue to have the discourse and the dialogue and the disagreements and the edginess and the hashing stuff out and the crucible of meme wars and all this stuff and keep developing like inside jokes and, mm -hmm. you know, little enclaves mm -hmm. within the enclave and all that stuff, just like a Petri dish, just let it grow and see what comes out. So that's kind of the ethos to what's happening. And I don't know that all that got community. In fact, I'm sure all that didn't get communicated very well because a lot of people still have questions. Well, Titus, you're one of the insiders. You're the inside of the insider and you, you didn't get it all. So, but right. you also check out quite a bit. So I don't feel too bad. Yeah. I'm just concerned that, uh, I mean, what does the new page have 40 people? I'm not sure that people want the curated content, but maybe they do. I don't know. I, I personally know of people who, who quit the pay, who quit the group because they thought the memes were were good and they liked some of the content but there was just too much chatter too much traffic too much stuff that they didn't know how to make sense out of right. flowing into their feed right. and so for people there may not be a large audience of people like that who want to be on that page but not in the group maybe maybe that's a small a, a smaller audience but i i think we can kind of serve both of those hopefully by having both options well, and the other thing is that that public page is very low um, demand on time. Like I, I know that people show up at DKCM and think that that just all happens, but there's actually a lot of administration that goes yeah. on over the last several months to keep that a, a growing and thriving environment to what degree it is. But the public page is just like, it's not a place, it's not a forum. It's just a place, it's just a, it's like a public page to a business. It's just to put something out there for people to see. It's not designed to have provocative conversations or to yeah. develop its own culture or anything. It's just a, just put it out there in the world so that people that just want to catch a meme now and again can catch a meme now and again. So if someone wants to join the original private group, the farm, um, right. do they just send a, a message to, to one of the admins or, or how are you planning to keep growing that group? The, the group is still searchable. You can find yeah. it. You just can't see it okay. until you're right. accepted in the group. So people can can request to join the group. And I I was I was talking with Christopher before I got on here, and I, I think some people, at least at least one person, took kind of exception to the to the new name of the uh, DKCM meme farm like they were being harvested as a commodity, which yeah, they were kind of, but 
but it wasn't meant to be a knock. It was just, it was really just my satire running amok like it typically does. Yep, yep. Uh, just to make a distinction between the, the group and the page. Because as an admin, I have DKCM, DKCM. And I'm like, where am I? What's going on here? Which Am I on the group? Am I on the page? Where is this yeah, going? Yeah. So I gave them different names just for fun. And I give them a fun name because that's what it deserves. What I love is the fact that if someone has heard about this dank meme franchise and they search it on Facebook, they're going to have legit dank human <laughs> Christian memes. They're going to have Curtis's group. They're going to have the official group. They're going to have the private group. They're going to have no idea what is going on. <laughs> well, the, the thing about Curtis's group is they can ask to join, but they'll never be accepted. There's no admin there. So so uh the dank menno got suspended yes dank menno was is uh was annihilated by the facebook gods so this is and this is hint swinging the conversation in a little bit different direction but i've been talking to people who don't share all of the views of the dank kingdom and whenever i i, I sometimes text them memes um that i think are really great just to try to to you know challenge their views and it, it usually doesn't go over very well and i've been thinking about this and I, I heard it i think on a podcast about how sarcasm is a very effective tool for reinforcing beliefs within a community but it's not necessarily an effective tool for changing people's minds uh-huh. and I, I think that the same is true for memes like it obviously has created a sense of community around people who share a, a core of beliefs but but when you see a meme making fun of your beliefs are you like huh maybe i should give that other worldview a shot or does it kind of just tick you off um it's it to me it's almost like what some of jesus's parables or some of his uh-huh. teachings where he turned the crowds away but it kind of you know galvanized a cluster of, of disciples and i think it they might serve a similar purpose but but like, is, is that the point of the memes? Like, are we just trying to form a close-knit community of people who think similarly and who can kind of sharpen each other's edges and, and learn from each other on um, some of the issues that we might still disagree on, but we have this core that we agree on? Like, is that the point? Or is it actually to change like a Trumpian's mind or change a Calvinist mind? Because I'm not sure that it's really effective for that latter function. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to change any hardcore reformed people's minds, but I, I, I think that there's some something somewhere in the middle. Um, it certainly, it certainly is is a good crucible for people of similar persuasions, like to have to hash out ideas or 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 to, to you know to make succinct points in a way that is sensible to other people is a valuable exercise. I think that there's people in the middle, uh, there's moderates, there's people seeking who, who, who find introduction to ideas in that format enticing. And I also think that there's a way of using meme <clears throat> that um, kind of cuts through the normal rational discourse, like because it's so pithy because it, 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 it encapsulates idea like that's why memes are mimetic that's why they propagate is because there's something about them that that catches it, it, it passes through some filters of of rational discourse like logical discourse because it doesn't follow the same rules 
It's not like syllogism. It's not like point plus point equals point. It's all like wrapped in a bundle. And and the humor, I think people that appreciate memes, which how, how many people are those I don't know, but for those that do, you kind of score some automatic points if it's a good meme, even if you don't agree with it. And I know for me, that makes the that makes it that much more enticing to want to engage or or to at least hear it out if it's a if it's well encapsulated idea. Mm-hmm. I I put up that one uh, in the in the very short lived beard ward we had yesterday, um, and I <laughs> there was all the talk about about Asians not being able to grow beards or much of beards. So I made a Confucius says meme. Well, all that, like when you encapsulate all that stuff together, it hits on so many different points at once that it really is a fun way to have the discourse. So if you want to have the discourse, it's a great vehicle. Uh-huh. People that don't want to have the discourse, yeah, I don't, I don't know that we're going to get there, but I don't know that they're the target anyhow. Right. That, that's what I was going to say. Um, I think they're completely unreal, like propaganda well some forms of like some forms of deceptive propaganda um are good at reaching people who don't want to be reached but but for for the kind of of work that we're doing or we're trying to promote you know true ideas um and be clear about what we're doing then people that don't want to change their minds that aren't open to changing their minds aren't going to um, there are other factors that cause a person to be ready to, to cause a person to open their mind and be ready to um, entertain new ideas. The, the purpose of this kind of discourse is for people whose, eye, whose minds are already open, who for whatever reason are questioning what they already think or what they've been told to believe and are wondering if there's something else that might work better for them um, that might be closer to the truth. And at that point, then... Um, for a person who's trying to, who, who intends to have an open mind, I know this is the way it works for me, um, hearing something in a new way or hearing something in a, in a, in an arresting, uh, you know, format can really open your mind further. So I think it's, it's fundamentally, we aren't trying to reach people whose minds are closed, like having a cookout with somebody or, you know, taking care of their, taking care of their animals while their child is in the hospital is a much more effective way to reach somebody whose mind is closed. Right. Um, but, yeah. but this kind of thing is for, for those of us who, who actually want to throw the ideas around. And what I know is that discourse doesn't work. Like I'm not, I've, I've, I'm my hope in, in using rational discourse to persuade a, a Trumpian evangelical or, or a serious committed reformed guy is slim to none. Mm-hmm. I'd rather meme with him than just have a just duke it out. Like that's not even because at least with memes I get to have fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and maybe I, he does too. Yeah, I think that I mean I, I'm starting to see a little bit of it of what you're saying here because when you guys were making fun of my advocation of tattoos, I I found that quite funny and somewhat compelling because you were calling me an idiot for this <laughs> belief of mine. Um, it, it, and but, rightly so. <laughs> show me the scripture. But if 
if someone is making memes about Trump being the, the person we should vote for because he's the lesser of two evils, I, I don't, even if they're just as high quality memes, I don't think I would appreciate them. And I think that's how people feel about some of our memes, just because, I don't know, I just think it's different issues are going to hit people differently. Like you said, if someone's mind is partially open to a new idea, then they'll they'll accept a meme criticizing their own position. But like our minds are made up that no, Trump is not a great messiah. Right. Um, and, and so like if someone makes a meme trying to promote that, we're, we don't, even if it's funny, I mean, maybe we'll laugh a little bit, but it kind of disgusts us. And I think that's how some of our memes hit people who are in equally opposed to our fundamental uh -huh. ideas as well. Yeah, yeah. And the, the other thing that DKCM as a community does is allows people actually, you know, to maybe integrate into the community because of their interest in some parts of what's being taught, and then to be more open to being entreated on ideas that, yeah. because because they know and like the people. Like if you like somebody, that's a powerful, um, exactly. a powerful predictor of being willing to listen to them. Mm -hmm. Well, and the other part that gets lost, like. Um, social media is a new form of discourse in that it's not about the quid pro quo of a conversation between two advocates it's 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 much more of a public forum and so mm -hmm. like it really is the 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 neo common like when you would get on a soapbox and go make your public address yeah. to the town square and 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 somebody would stand up on another soapbox and yell back at you. Yeah, it wasn't really about the two yellers. No, it was no. about all the people watching. Like, who's right? Who's going to win this contest? Who's who's going to persuade the crowd? And what most of okay, so there's in my life, there's two reasons I'm involved in social media. I like a lot of people that I like to stay in touch with. It's all just personal relationship stuff. But the the rest of it is all about that and so if you're if you're evaluating winning or losing based on how many of the other vocal advocates against your position you change the mind of that may be a dismal proposition but if you consider the audience and how many people watching those two ideas play out against mm -hmm. each other in that arena there's actually a lot to be won or lost yes yes Yes, and that that happens like that happens regularly on social media for me. Um, yeah. So yeah, when you're having one of those conversations, assuming you're doing it well, um, you get you get private messages, people saying, yeah, "Well, right. I never would have stuck my head out, but thank you for saying that." And and there's lots of people who don't message you that are having that experience as well. Or I was on the fence about those ideas, but hearing you yeah. articulate it really made yeah. a difference and helped me see it more clearly or whatever right. the case may be. Right. A lot of different things that can, can be achieved that way. I get, I get regular messages from people who are going to vote for Trump, but heard, heard what I had to say and have changed their mind. I mean, All the time, don't you, Titus? It's, it's incredible. <laughs> is that a harp in your background, Matthew? Yes, it is. Can you play it? No, I cannot. Okay. You need to yeah, no, it's for one of my daughters. Actually, uh, uh, Tanya Taylor is a harpist, and and she had a couple. For, she her one of her girls and one of my girls wanted to learn to play, so huh, nice. it brought us one to practice on. Nice.
So hopefully Hosanna's going to learn. I was stringing it last night. It's no small task. Yeah. Well, so is that, is that enough politics? of politics? Yeah, I was going to say, is that enough of an explanation for the, on the DKCM? I, I think, I mean, what I would say that's left over is that if anybody has any questions about that, please yeah. feel free to give us, um, send us a message or, or take pop shots at us on memes. That's cool too. It's a that perfectly valid too. form of discourse. Don't send me yep. messages. I have no clue what's going on besides a, a failed happy meme revol revolution. Yeah, failed indeed. <laughs> uh, I, guess, I, ge I guess it failed. I never knew what the objectives were. So I guess no. that is kind of the ultimate failure. Well, we did <laughs> we did pick up some people who weren't part of the original revolution. And okay, so it's supposed to go viral and infect everyone else. I don't know what the purpose was. We were just uh, tired of of negativity. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we were tired of smiley faces, so <laughs> we we just we just doubled down. So yeah, are you ready to join the dour propagandists? Yeah, I'm, I'm generally down with, with a brief hiatus of happy. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of, I, I will grant that some of them were, some of them were mediocre, even good. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> you might have peaked at a, at a two and a half out of five. <laughs> what, what they lacked in dankness, they made up in, in unadulterated joy. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, we can we can say that much. There you go. Yeah, so, so let's yes. move on to the matter at hand. Now that we've done our housekeeping, what uh, we wanted to talk about? Um, well, it was your issue, uh, your your idea this evening, Anthony. You wanna you wanna introduce it? Yeah, someone I love told me yesterday um, that uh, I'm a uh, that I agree with. Uh, the counterculture and Marxist um, on everything. And, I've been getting that too lately. And that my only engagement with questions around politics is to attack conservatives, um, which was interesting. I, in, the con in the conversation we were talking about, I was championing the cause of stopping the killing of babies. So I'm not sure, uh, it, like it didn't, it didn't, it didn't uh, I didn't understand fully where that particular critique fit with what I was saying. But um, but I think it's something that actually, it was also last night, someone else um, who wasn't bringing accusations was trying to ask for clarity on you know where I and people like me stand on issues of Christians in politics. So um, as far as the landscape, you know, as, as I'm from Anabaptist background, Titus is too, um, and I think both of us probably had some something of the same experience where we grew up in a, in a kind of our, our traditional churches that we started with taught explicitly that Christians are not supposed to be involved in politics. That'd be the way it would generally be, be stated. Um, Christians are politically uninvolved um, because we're not part of these, this world's kingdoms. And so fair enough, but what it, but, but what, um, and, and that was, and that was obviously um, presented as the alternative to being in the tank for one political party or another, you know, being a Republican who always votes for the Republican candidate or being a, and, and excuses everything the Republican party does or being a uh, 
a liberal Democrat who always votes for Democrats and excuses the evil things that Democrats do and tries to Christianize those. Um, like, we, we are the third way. We just don't get in involved in politics at all. But what, what tended to be the reality on the ground in, in my background, and I think um, we've talked enough about these things, it's true for the rest, for, for many people with, with a similar background, is that, that if you, maybe we didn't vote, you know, we wouldn't go to war. But if you talked about any issue that, had, that has been politicized on the national level, um, people had very strong, decided opinions on it, these non-political people, the strong, decided opinions. Um, and those opinions just mysteriously always seem to align with the, current, the current platform of the moment of the particular of, of a particular political party, depending on the social group you were with, it might be a leftist political party or it might be a rightist political party. But these non-political people still somehow were buying their beliefs about politicized issues wholesale from a political party, and so something about the concept of just being apolitical doesn't seem to translate well into where your affections and um, where your affections and, and allegiances lie. And so, and, and I would like to posit that the reason for that is that the concept of politics as, you know, politics, do, politics doesn't just mean national, like state level um, power plays, which is how a lot of people use it. Um, politics is, is, a, is a realm that covers everything about how relationships, power relationships work, how, how power is exercised in any social group um, and how policy is set, how, what, you know, how we decide what the rules for being in and out of this social group are going to be, how we decide who has authority and who doesn't, how is authority conferred. All of those things are, are encompassed in the broadest sense of politics. <clears throat> and when we treat that whole realm as something that's off limits for Christians, um, it, it's it's a bit of it, we're essentially um, embracing a fantasy that you can live apolitically, um, that you can live life without being influenced by politics, without practicing politics. Like when I when I uh, sit around my living room with my children and we're discussing a problem in the family. And my wife and I are presenting, here's you know, the, how the family dynamics haven't been working well lately. Um, and here's what we're thinking of doing about it. And then the children are, start pushing back on that. And they're like, well, you don't understand this and this. Well, at that point, we are in a political conversation. Um, there is going to be power exercised in that, in, in that discussion at some point, even if we do our best to, to allow all the voices to be fairly heard and everything else. Um, and there's going to be a decision about how power is exercised. And there's probably going to be policies made at some point in a conversation like that. That's a political event. If we have, if we have just shut out the whole, any consideration of politics and how political matters work or should work out of our discourse, out of our minds, 
well, a situation like that is going to kind of unfold chaotically without planning, without an understanding of anyone involved as to what's going on. Because, because the principles that are supposed to govern power and its, and its exercise, we have made off limits. And so therefore, we're, we're always going to be bad at it. We're not going to get away from exercising power or being affected by it, but we're not going to have any of the tools to deal with it constructively. And I see that happening in Anabaptist churches, as well as in Anabaptist homes. The, all the issues around power and its proper exercise and its rightful sphere of use and the tools by which it's, by which it's used, um, it's like we're all amateurs, like nobody's done, most of us have not done any serious thinking about this. And so when power is exercised, <clears throat> nobody is admitting that it's being exercised. We're like we're all equals here. And yet here's this person that always gets his way. We're, right. you know, we don't, we don't have titles because we're, because we're a brotherhood. And yet when some, when some people step out of line, they get whacked. And when other people, other people can get away with almost anything and that creates all kinds of resentments and, and relationship distortions and it's because we are we are refusing to become skilled at using and understanding how politics works we still have politics just as much as anyone does but we don't understand how it, how it's supposed to work we don't very well understand how it works in the world and we don't understand how it's supposed to be different in the church. Um, so, so I think that's, that's a crying need is for Christians to articulate principles of, of political, uh, of, of political or, or polity and power exercise. Um, and, and, and actually, you know, create norms for how, what's good power, what's bad power, what's, what's righteous ways of resolving conflict, what are unrighteous ways. And, and uh, how do we manage influence, which is inevitable that some people have influence more than others. How do we manage it in a way so that it's beneficial and nurturing rather than, than crushing and destructive? Um, and, uh, and, and in addition to that, how to exercise power within the church and family, we, as we have that conversation, it also should show us a different way for Christians to relate to power in government. Um, how does the Christian church relate to other power centers? Um, that's, that's the other part of the conversation. If we just let that default, we are going to be, we are, and we don't talk about it, we are going to be co-opted by one of the very potent and, and, and efficient and expert power structures that surround us. They are going to win over our allegiances if the church doesn't do that. Um, and so that's, that's what I'd like to talk about is how do we exercise power well and how within the church and how does the church relate to other centers of power in a way that honors God and our calling as, as believers in this world? The, um, <clears throat> the, do, you, do you have some thoughts, Titus? You want to no, I was just going to say, uh, it sounds like uh, something we can probably figure out in the next 10 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I did have what, one thought I had was, so, so you are talking about how power works in family and in church um, and, and discussing the fact that obviously politics happens in those spheres of influence. 
I, I think that probably people agree with that, although they might not call it politics. And there are probably some um, issues that arise because they don't understand that it is politics. Mm -hmm. I think that's your broader point. I think that the issue that people are, are having more questions about is when we weigh into the national conversation about how the United States of America should be operating. When people use the term political or think that we're being political, that's generally what they're referring to. And let's face it, we do wade into that conversation quite a bit. We do give mm -hmm. our opinions about what America should and should not be doing. Um, and so I can, I can see a genuine critique there. Um, like if, if you think that America is a rival nation to the kingdom and will be is an illegitimate nation in a sense, then why would you be trying to tell it what to do? Like, why not just say everything it does is bad you know? and, and the kingdom of Jesus is going to overcome it? Um, and, and I think that's where ambassadorship comes in. Like as ambassadors, do we try to carry the values of our nation into this nation and try to make this nation more like our nation? Um, that sounds a little sketchy. Isn't that exactly what like dominionist Republicans are doing? So like, how, what, what's the difference between that and what we're doing? I think, I think you're, you're starting at the right place, Anthony, that, that, that the myth of the apolitical is exactly that. Like all, all these words are interesting words, policy, police, polis is where it all comes from. It's the, it's the maintenance of the city. It's how the people are organized. And, and, and the only, the only attempt at, at being apolitical would have to be alienation. Like you would have to live in some kind of hermit existence in order yeah. to be apolitical. And even then, I don't know that you could divorce yourself from, from political structure, at least political thought. So, so the question is, which people am I a part of? Like, because if I, if I am political by being a person, if, if, if I'm a part of any group of people, which people am I a part of and, and to whom do I owe my allegiance and how are those uh -huh. relationships structured and my subordination and responsibility to, to those structures? That's all, that's all politics. And, and anybody that's claiming that they don't fit in that system is, is just ignorant of what those systems are. I, I think that you're right, Titus, that that the the rub between the 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 power of the church and the power of other entities is where the interesting most interesting questions lie partly because our our um structures for in the church for christian people is quite well established both in 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 the in the um in the example but also in the commands of Jesus. They're hard, they're like a lot of Christian things. They're hard to do, but easy to find. Like we know what it's supposed to be. We know that it's not supposed to be lordship. It's supposed to be servant oriented. It's supposed to be coming under, not over. Like all of those things are, you know, like they're black and white, red letter kind of stuff. It's not hard to find what church authority should look like. It's very hard to find people doing it, but it's not hard to articulate what it should be. The, the more, I, I really do think the more interesting question is how our people as a collective, as a nation for kingdom people is relating to those other structures. And, and when it comes to that, I, I, for me, the most useful analogies have been both in the concepts of, of Verduin's redeeming and conserving grace. They're not actually his terms, but he popularized them for me. That's a big concept that I, I explain a lot in other places. So I'm not going to 
I'm not going to go over it again, but there's this, there's these, not over the whole thing again, but there's these two mutually exclusive spheres that God is using. He's keeping society together through civil structures, through the kingdoms of men. Like you can't steal from the market. You can't kill people. You can't do whatever you want. You have to, you know, in, in our later Western notions, you have to fulfill contractual obligations. However, a society is structured, it's maintained by civil, civil authority, whether that's a monarchy or, or, or a dictatorship, but there's some kind of rule over people to keep them from descending into, into anarchy, into animalistic anarchy. But then where do we fit in that? So if we're, if, we're, if we're seeing ourselves as somehow set apart from that, and I think we should because Jesus is a real political king mm -hmm. and he has real political policies, how do we engage with those? The ambassadorship is a good barometer. It's a good way, first of all, it's biblical, but, but, and, and the idea of our citizenship being remote as opposed to, to native in the place where we're from mm -hmm. is certainly biblical in Hebrews 12 and in Ephesians our 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 the locus of our identity is not american it is christian and and the questions of allegiance are are connected to all that i think the most useful metaphor that that i use in 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 parsing out those really complex interactions between me or my people and the state structures is is that of conscience um if you think of the conscience in the individual, you know, my conscience, it, 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 it's a witness, that's its function, that's, that's really its purpose, is to tell me what's right and what's wrong. It has no coercive authority. My conscience, when you feel guilty, can't force your actions, it can't make you do anything except for feel miserable. And, and that's really what the church should be doing in regards to the world. It should be making the world feel miserable about the bad things it does. And it should be making it feel good about the good things it does. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, here's a yeah. guiding principle. Here's the truth of God. Here's what whole humanity, here's what the incarnation and God's interests for his creation was. And, mm -hmm. and there's a beacon called the church and called the church's witness in the world that if you follow that, you'll find the creator, you'll find the intent, mm -hmm. you'll find the original purpose for why you are. And that, that has to be, there has to be some volume to that expression. Mm -hmm. The fact that we remain here, that we don't get whisked away, that we don't mm -hmm. die upon conversion or baptism or whatever the case it is, is because that, that, that loud voice that jesus and and the forerunners had to call to man back to god like okay think of the prophets right J god has a people a nation israel and they're out of the way and the prophets come and say hey this way over here you're going the wrong way that's not what god wanted to he told you this is the way you should go that's their whole function. Then Jesus comes and he does that to all of humanity. He says, you guys are going the wrong way. Mm -hmm. This eye for eye stuff is not working. I'll show you a different way. If you'll follow where I'm leading you, I can show you what God wanted you to be. And that's still the voice ministry and vocation of the church in our society is to be that prophetic voice saying, that's wrong. This is right. Don't do that. Do this. And it should have the same weight that our conscience does. It should, it should have no force. It should have no coercive, no, no, uh, 
it has no club. It can't make anything happen. It can only give testimony to what is. So is that conscience attempting to conform America, for example, to the ethics of our nation or to what we think, according to Romans 13, God uses America for? So an example would be if America would start commanding everyone to repent and be baptized and become followers of Jesus, that, that is a command of our nation. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good thing, we, we think. But if America would start doing that, or if Christians would start promoting that, we would stand against it and say, no, you shouldn't do that. Um, or another example is like uh, violence, like police, uh, a justified use of police violence, right. if there's right. such a thing. Um, should we stand against that because it goes against the ethics of our nation or, or should we say no this is in your parameter to do that and so like if if we are being their conscience upon what objective morality are or what objective morality are we calling them to like is it is it ours or is there is it theirs you know you know what i mean yeah well go ahead I, I, yeah i i think again the the metaphor of the um, and it's really more than a metaphor. It's actually our function and role here of ambassadors um, guides us in this. <clears throat> so this, I would say, this is what I told some uh, someone who was I was discussing it with last night. Um, what distinguishes, maybe more than anything else, the way that Christians whose allegiance is is to Jesus and His kingdom. Um, Whole, who have wholehearted if we have wholehearted allegiance to jesus and his kingdom what distinguishes the way we get involved in politics um from the way that say an american patriot gets involved in politics or a you know a russian patriot um who's a member of the mother church over there um what distinguishes us is that if we're living in if a kingdom believer is living in the united states um, and speaking into a political issue of the time, the kingdom of God, the, the kingdom believer is is always promoting the principles of the kingdom of God, principles that are going to be true in heaven, principles that are true in heaven now. Um, so we're going to be promoting the things that Jesus promoted, which is loving your enemies, doing good to the poor. Um, these are the these are the directions we're going to be pushing this this worldly government in because those are the things that serve the purposes of our kingdom uh we do not and whereas if we're if we're patriots and we have allegiances to the country we live in first and foremost we are going to be pushing america to do what's good for america and for americans over and again and above people in the rest of the world so and 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 it, it is often the case that what is good for America and what is good for the kingdom of God are not the same thing. I mean, that's a heresy in American evangelicalism, but it's the truth. Um, so it may be, for instance, um, not good for the, maybe I should rephrase that. What's good for the power structures of America is not necessarily the same thing as what's good for the kingdom of God. Like, What's good? The kingdom of God is good for people. Its principles can, are the best ones for promoting human thriving, but they do not promote the thriving of the power structures 
that sustain themselves on the backs of a nation. Um, and so those power structures are always going to be at odds. Whereas if I'm a patriot, I want the power structures of America to survive. I want them to stay intact so that we can continue to be the greatest country in the world. Um, and that, that means we're going to be pushing for different sets of pol policies. Yeah, and um, I think I think yeah. more than that too that there's there's there there is a there is a difference there is a mutually exclusive boundary between our ambitions and those of the state. I I do think that 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 civil structures as as they've been ordained by God are a necessary evil. I I don't think that God wants people. Um, in the in the ultimate sense of his ambitions for his creation, I don't think he wants them controlled with fear and 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 swords. But they but but people aren't. Everybody isn't at that place. Like the the world needs that in order to keep people in check that that are subject to their passions and sin. So so when you look at like uh, for instance in the in the current pick 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 a battle uh, i mean the the muslim ban from from the trump administration i i i went to an immigration rally um and and that was controversial to some people my intention there was not to try to get mr trump to change his decision i don't i don't mm -hmm. particularly care about his borders I mean, I don't begrudge him them the the fact that he has some some domain and 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 demarcation of mm -hmm. what's within his domain and what isn't isn't my business. I don't care how he does that. Um, if he has a wall or if he doesn't have a wall, if he lets people in or doesn't let people in, all of those things are completely within his jurisdictional power to deal with. However, there is something for the church to say because we care for sojourners, like as the basic root of who we are as God's people, we care about the dispossessed. We care about those away from home. We care about those who are alone and cold. And in order to communicate to those people, it's important for the church, whether you go to a rally or don't, it's important for the church to communicate to the dispossessed that we do care about you. I don't expect America to care about you, but we certainly do. And that's the kind of that's the kind of push and pull between our structures and 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 civil structures. Another is the policing issues. Like I I I don't know, I don't have answers for how to make law enforcement work. I, I'm glad that there are laws. Mm -hmm. I, I I see God's design and all that. And I don't, and, and the fact that those laws have to be forced on people is an unfortunate reality of humanity. But there, I can certainly see from our metrics that some, some ways of doing that are better for humans and some ways are, are worse. Like if you throw all, all Americans in, in, into camps and put them all in, in work camps and, and make them do things all the time, every day, all day, that's not good for anybody. It's not even going to be good for America. The the level to which humans are allowed to flourish is is good for humanity. It's good for the whole world. So we mm -hmm. can have common interests with civil structures. Sure. There's certain times when our interests align, and there's certain times when they don't. And I think giving voice to where they align and giving voice to where they don't is a perfectly reasonable 
-hmm. enterprise for the church to do. So you're saying there that you have a problem with mass incarceration. I think that's what you were alluding to there. Um, and, and, And there you are caring about what Mr. Trump does, but that, but a little bit earlier, you said you don't particularly care about the wall, right? And so I'm, I'm seeing a little, I'm, I'm having a little bit of dissonance because I, I really liked what you said about going and protesting to say, hey, look, our kingdom cares about the stranger. This kingdom, kingdom might not. And in that sense, you're just promoting the values of your kingdom. You're not speaking directly to America to try to tell America what to do. Um, and, and, and you're, speaking that way in regard to the wall but then when it comes to mass incarceration like you are you are crit- critiquing something that america is doing so i i think we 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 can't quite have it both ways and maybe we can maybe there's something i'm missing i just like to know like where where does that where is that break between actually caring about what america is doing and trying to persuade them to do what's right and and in a sense saying look they're a necessary evil we're just going to let them do what they're going to do well i think the 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 stakes get higher and lower um, you know, I, I don't care if Mr. Trump has a wall. If he sets up machine gun nests and starts shooting anybody that gets near it, I might have something to say about his wall. Like there are different, there are different. That doesn't all mean one thing. It, it, the fact that that laws are enforced or that laws are passed, like okay, you know, the 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 government certainly has a right to enforce, you know. China has a right to say you can only have one baby. I mean, in the ultimate sense of their authority, they can tell their citizens they can only have one baby. And it's within the purview of the church to say that's wrong. Yeah. Like, I can't stop China from saying you can only have one baby. I can't stop them from having state-sanctioned enforced abortions. I can say it's wrong. I don't have the club. I don't have, I don't have the gun. And I'm not supposed to. And I don't want it. But what I do have is voice, and so mm-hmm. when when those when those uh, policies of any given state are are such that they're immoral or they're doing wrong. So for another example would be warfare. Like what what do I know in the grand scheme of things of what George Bush's ultimate God's design for George Bush's prosecution of the war in Iraq was? Did you want to say something? Mm-hmm. Oh, to me. Okay, I'll be right up. Thanks. Give me about 20 minutes. Wait, but folks, like, we can only have cake if you go up. Okay, I'll be up there soon. The problem. <laughs> uh, the, I, I lost track of it. Oh, wars. Yeah, so I don't know what the grand scheme of things is, but I know that innocent people were killed. I know that people were, widows were made and orphans were made and that's bad. So, so okay, here's a complex situation, geopolitics. How do I navigate what my responsibility is in some geopolitical contest? Well, I don't have the pay grade or, or the prerogative to try to work out border disputes or clashing armies, but what I can do is apply the golden rule. If I was a Christian in Iraq, what would I want my brothers in America to do? Well, I don't want them to overthrow the government. I don't, I don't expect them to mm-hmm. stop invading armies. What I, do, what I would hope they would say is, it's wrong to do this. You're killing people. It hurts. Stop. You, you can't mm-hmm. do that. You can't feel okay doing that. So those are the things where, where the push and pull between who we are and who the state is I think we go off of our standards and, and those cut back and forth across 
across civil policy. Right. Right. I, I think I think the key is that our we have we have means of influence that are different from what worldly kingdoms use. Um, and we have objectives that are different from their objectives. Um, not all of them are different, but but there's some overlap, like you said, but there is also divergence between our objectives and theirs. So so when For instance, yes, it may be in the in the interest of the continuance of the U United States for them to go and bomb my brothers and sisters in the in the churches in in Iraq. I mean that that's a very possible thing that that the longevity of America or the the prosperity of its people or any of the objectives that its government is interested in could be could could um, pragmatically require. Um, you know, ba babies to be buried under piles of rubble, um, you know, and then the rescuers to be hit with a double tap strike when they show up to mm -hmm. try to dig people out. You mm -hmm. know, that that may be in America's interest, but it's mm -hmm. not in the interest of my kingdom. Right. Um, and I and I will speak up against it. So, so and the, there's, there's another level on which and that, that goes the other way as well, that when we speak up, um, the things that we, uh, I think our message is primarily oriented towards individuals also, or groups of people. We, we're, our message is for people, not for institutions. Mm -hmm. um, that's another thing that, that is, you know, is really key to understand. So when we are when we are preaching the morals of the kingdom of God, we're preaching the ethics of the kingdom of God, we're preaching it to people who are embedded in systems that aren't going to change necessarily. We're not trying to change the system, at least not in the short term, but every person we encounter should be hearing a consistent message of the kingdom of God. So if I meet a soldier um, who's just been in Iraq and he's experiencing trauma because he followed orders to gun down civilians, um, and he meets me as a person who represents the kingdom of God. And I pat him on the shoulder and I say, thank you for your service, sir. Um, that's not the message of my kingdom. I don't have to, I don't have to, you know, pile on him with a bunch of, um, you know, anti-war propaganda. Um, I need to meet him as a human being. Mm -hmm. I need to not see him as a soldier. Whether a good soldier or a bad soldier, I need to see him primarily as a, first and foremost as a human being who needs the message that transformed my life. And, and as, we, as we work through what that message is and how it might affect him, his violent past and, and maybe present is going to come up in that conversation. Um, and he can, you know, he can accept or reject that. But it's not... But, but the problem I think that happens when we say the church is apolitical, we don't have anything to say about politics. And then, and then we, we kind of teach that that affirms the government's realm and whatever they do within that realm um, is that we meet the soldier, we say, thank you for your service. We meet the local police officer and we say, thank you so much for what you're doing in the community. And we just kind of give them a free pass because they're from the other kingdom. Um, it's not that we hate police officers. It's not that we don't recognize what they're, you know, what, the good that they're attempting to do. Um, 
and the self-identity around them that says, you know, I'm a person who stands between evil and the community and so on. Like we honor all of those good things, but we don't give them a different message than we give to the drug dealer down the street. Both of them, we say, surrender to Jesus, lay down your weapons, stop, stop hurting people and find another way of, of contributing to justice that's more effective, that has long-term transformational value. And that's our message to individuals. And, and because, and when we give that message to individuals, the system will often feel like it's being undermined and threatened because it needs individuals to, you know, submit to its, to its value structures in order to continue to perpetuate itself. Furthermore, if our message is adopted widely enough, it will make police and armies obsolete. Um, and that's a radical thing to say, and that's a whole other con conversation, how far we expect, expect the message to spread in this world. But just, just one more thing about, uh, about the way that we frame this. What always comes up when I say this, we should be giving the same message to everyone, is, well, what if police, what if all police officers, you know, adopted your kingdom gospel and became non-resistant? Like, what happens to all, you know, then the criminals just run the world. Um, and my, my response to that is why on earth would all the police officers heed our message and none of the criminals? Um, like, I thought why your is that response would be, they already do run the world. The criminals already do. <laughs> no, that, I mean, yeah, you can have that conversation, but that's a lot more complex. Um, but, but in the, in, in the usual sense of the word, not all police officers are, are criminals. I think most people would agree on that. Um, but, but like, there's nothing about the kingdom gospel that makes it more palatable to a police officer than to a criminal. In fact, it's easier to justify for police to justify their violence than it is for your common criminal, because the common criminal is doing, you know, has all sorts of kind of petty, selfish motives for what he does. And the police officer has noble motives that are part of something bigger than me. Um, so it's more likely that if we actually consistently preach the message of the kingdom and we preach the message of nonviolence and love for our enemies, it's going to be the criminals that are converted and all the police officers are going to be sitting around at the station waiting for a call. Um, and I have yet to have anyone tell me why, um, why that's not the, why, why that's not the scenario they predict versus the one where all the criminals are still resisting the gospel and the police officers have all accepted it and become useless. There's a whole nother piece to this, I think, that's about subversion. Like why, why the church should find itself at odds with power structures is, is, is something that, well, it's, it's, it, it'd be hard for an evangelical to answer that question. Like it, a, a dominionist, if he was doing his job right, could never be found at odds with the state structures because he's trying to co-opt them. But that's not the history of our people. Uh, the church has always been subversive in certain regards and why should she be so? W what is subversive about the message of Jesus? Why was it submersive, subversive to, to Rome? Why was it subversive to Herod? Why was, it, why was it such a threat that all this political assassination happens in the end of Jesus's life and then continues on through the age of the apostles where all 12 of them, but John are, are likewise assassinated. Mm -hmm. The fact that that kind of 
push and pull between power, the power of, of, of God's people and the power of civil structures, that they were such threats. Well, what, what is that threat based on? Mm-hmm. And I think that, that the answer to that question is very deep at the heart of how we make these distinctions of where we belong and where we don't, is that Jesus is, this is, this is what is at, buried at the core of the concepts of kingdom, is that Jesus has a nation, that he's a real political king with a real people and real dominion and real policy and real everything it's not it's not uh, mm-hmm. sky king it's not yeah. future yeah. king yeah. it's real king and and if that's true and if you think about him and his ways that way then this these concepts of ambassadorship and and where we play between the gray line of of my the the world around me the geopolitical world around me versus the spiritual world that god's really working with his people in these these gray areas between those two realities they become really important territory the way we distinguish ourselves in those areas demonstrate our allegiance and they make it clear who who we're really following are we following our, our, our native structures? Are we following the place that we're born? Are we Russians? Are we Americans? Are we Chinese? Or are we really Christians? And the ability to cut across our, our native places and, and, and advocate what's best for the kingdom of God instead of what's best for America is I think how we make those distinctions. And I also think it's how we separate ourselves from the judgment that comes to the nations. There are corporate judgments that happen in, in the eschaton. And America will be judged just like all the other nations. And I'm very hopeful that I'm not going to stand as an American in that judgment. But it, I, I can't have that hope if I'm not distinguishing myself for the kingdom in opposition to wrong, to policies that are against my king. And, so and, that, and, that impetus for voice comes out of that burden and concern. Mm-hmm. And, and for, those who, for those who find that, you know, kind of a startling statement, you know, you expect America to be judged and you don't want to stand in that judgment. We can make that any nation. Um, right. You know, we expect China to be judged right. for the, for the atrocities that they've committed. Um, and we don't want to be showing up and saying, oh, yeah, I'm one of them. Right. Um, in that judgment. Like, that's not who I want to be identified with. Right. So, yeah, it's 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 very... Um, Sorry, I had a thought while you were saying that, but I lost it. Go ahead. I mean, well, Jesus specifically talks about the nations being gathered before the throne and being separated as, as the sheep from the goats. I'm not sure by, if by nations he meant the people in those nations or if the actual entities will be judged. But it's interesting how they're judged in that situation. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something mm-hmm. to drink. Um, you know, I, I really, Jesus's teachings are, are pretty great. <laughs> they just really are refreshing <laughs> especially if you follow if you follow politics in america it's just a real palate cleanser mm-hmm. yeah amen speaking of palate cleansers we're just over the hour mark and i have italian cream cake upstairs waiting for me i'm not sure that that'll cleanse your palate but it'll uh definitely we'll lose, bring some we'll something to it yeah, yeah. <laughs> well yeah, well if, if, if we've covered that topic, we could probably do a few more episodes on the on the on the sub categories and topics around that. I, I'd love to talk actually about about uh, 
about power in the church sometime yeah. um that would be a great a great topic but yeah for tonight we we can wind this one up so we won't be here next monday but the following monday we'll be back on mm -hmm. right yeah on. we're going to every other week okay well thanks guys yeah good night See you later